Prophet number six this evening, Micah. Got six to go after this, so we're halfway there. Micah is a prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah, and he's a prophet of what was to happen first to Israel and then to his homeland of Judah. And he's also got a section in here from the Lord dealing with what a great covenant God we have. We'll start off in chapter 1 of the book of Micah. I need a reader for verses 1, 3, and 5. Ms. Kelly? This is the first major point that the Lord makes through the prophet Micah, looking at the two kingdoms. Uh, Israel is referenced as Samaria, and of course, Judah, we know, the southern kingdom. The event we see is God's people have not done what God asked of them. Uh, people didn't step up when they should have stepped up. People were not faithful. People were disobedient. Uh, people rejected the Lord. Various other sins. When this occurs, God does not just turn away and leave the scene and I'll go start over again. He intercedes, and that's what we'll see in this book of Micah. As Israel is failing, as Judah starts to follow the same path, the Lord intercedes on the behalf of his people to do what needs to be done. If he cannot find a man to stand in the gap, he comes and he stands in the gap himself. Skip down to chapter 2. We'll look at verses 1 and 2 and verses 8 and 9. Do I have a reader for that? Chapter 2, 1 and 2, 8 and 9. Cindy?
a listing of a number of the sins that the Lord is coming to judge his people with. People who had much wanted more. They were greedy. They coveted. We see that in verses 1 and 2. They are, as it says, devising iniquity, working evil from upon their beds when morning is light. Out they come and do their dirty work. Coveting fields, verse 2, taking them by violence along with their houses and basically taking away what it says here, the heritage, the inheritance of God's people. God is not pleased with that. Verses 8 and 9, God's people have become an enemy, as it were, and that reference there and pulling off the robe with the garment from them that passed by securely as men averse from war, they were actually attacking their own army men as they would be back in Israel or Judah, feeling at peace, safe. They would go after them for their garments, taking them physically away from them. And verse 9 they were cruel to the women and cruel to the children. God cannot accept that either. Clearly coveting, I went back and looked at the commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, thou shalt not covet. And they were doing it in, big, in a big way. Drop down to chapter three. Chapter three. Look at two verses down here, verses 1 and 11. Would like to read that for us? 1 and 11 for the mic. And I said, Here I pray to you, O heads of Jacob, any princes of the house of Israel, is enough for you to know judgment. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof find for money. Yet when they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. This is directed to the leadership of Israel and Judah. They should be faithful in the office that God puts them to. The king should serve justly and rightly. The prophets should give the word of the Lord. The priests should behave honestly and forth, forthrightly in their office of bringing the people's prayers before God. And here we see, according to verse 11, all three groups are not doing it with the right heart, are not doing it with the right motives, they're doing it for gain. What, 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 what can they get out of it? And yet, end of verse 11, they're oblivious to what the Lord is really asking of them 
thinking that the Lord is still with them. What's, what's wrong? Nothing's going to happen. We'll just do as we please. So things are, things are even deepening for the sins of the people. But then we get a break. We get down to chapter 4. And very often this is the way we see, again, we mentioned this before, in prophecy, we see the judgment, but then we see the hope. And these things often come in this, this type of arrangement in a pairing. Chapter 4 brings some hope. Look at chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Do I have a reader for the 1 and 2? Brother Dave? is looking to the future we're talking about verse 1 in the last days again prophecies like this have some near early fulfillment we'll see little bits and pieces foreshadowing but eventually as we get to the latter days when the Lord is actually ruling from his house in Jerusalem will these things fully come to fruition uh, the mountain of the Lord, we're looking again at Temple Mount in Jerusalem, uh, being exalted above all the other hills, people starting to flow unto it. Not only the Jews, but verse two, nations coming to worship at the mountain of the Lord, desiring that they would learn how to worship the Lord, how they would be part of God's kingdom and turning away from their evil deeds. So that's basically chapter 4 all the way up into the messianic period with the Lord back on earth and making things right. And chapter 5, similar thing looking to Again, God interceding, doing things that need to be done. You'll see a lot of I wills in chapter 5. That's the Lord talking of himself. And a very familiar verse. I've got it highlighted in my Bible. Who would like to read chapter 5, verses 2, 3, and 4? Miss Kelly again? Chapter 5, yes, 2, 3, 4.
All right. I think you're all aware of who we're talking about in these three verses. Who's coming out of Bethlehem, of course? Jesus Christ. And a beautiful verse talking about his everlastingness, been, of, been from of old, and the fact that he is working in the power of his Father, God the, God the Father, coming in his strength, coming in his name. Uh, a beautiful picture of Christ coming in person to be with his people. And noticed, uh, just in brief, looking down at verses 9 to 15, we'll see a bunch of these I wills that I mentioned. I'll read these for you. Chapter 5, verses 9 to 15, talking about what he's going to do to the nations around his people. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots, and I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds, and I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities. And I will execute vengeance and anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. God, through his son, cleaning, cleaning the houses of those around God's people. The final section of the book of Micah, chapters 6 and 7, are a beautiful picture of the Lord talking to his people. The setting is very much like a courtroom, and God the judge is looking upon his people and asking them some questions as a lawyer would ask of, his, of the de defendants that are being put on trial. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Look at chapter 6, verses 3, 4, and 5. Someone want to read that for us. Chapter 6, 3, 4, 5. Brother Dave. Verse 3, what have I done unto thee that you would do this unto me? The Lord asks. And then again, he reminds them of what he's done for them in the past and being the same God in all his attributes from time to time. If he did it before, he can do it again. He wants to do it again. Talking about bringing his people out of Egypt and remember the situation with Balaam and Balak 
where Balak, the king of Moab, wanted Balaam to curse God's people as they went by so that Moab could come out and destroy them. And God told Balaam, no, don't, don't do that, don't curse them. Balaam made some faults. He was still desirous of his own gain and he was eventually uh, punished for that. But God was good to his people and in the past they had much to look back on in, in joy and in understanding that God took care of them. God did what he had to to bring them into the promised land and he watched over them as they went from place to place. If he did that, why are you acting the way you're acting now? Look at chapter six, verse eight. How does he want his people to respond and to behave? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And when we talk about walking with his people, his people walking with him, we're talking about obeying, we're talking about trusting, we're talking about uh, doing his commandments, doing what he asks of us, not doing things that he says don't do. This is what he desires of his people, yet they're acting the way they are. Why, why are they doing it? Look at chapter six, verse 12. Someone want to read that for us? Six twelve, Brother Dave. For the rich man thereof are full of lies, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and the tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Certainly not what verse 8 is asking of them. And then drop down to chapter 7, because these two chapters go together. In chapter 7, Brother Dave, maybe you can read verses 2 and 4 for us. 2 and 4. Verse 12, again, talking about people in power, the rich men, full of violence. And then these two verses in chapter 7, what a sad commentary on the people. Good, good men are gone. Upright men can't be found. Everybody is lying in wait for blood. And then the comparison, the best that he could find is like a thorn bush briar, a thorn sharper than a thorn. And then God reminds the people, the day of thy watchmen and thy visitation cometh, now shall be their perplexity. The day is the day of God's judgment, uh, mentioned in various other prophecies of the Bible, the day of the Lord is coming, and there's different gradations of how severe that day of the Lord can be. This particular day of judgment 
first that came to Israel, secondly that came to Judah, was indeed coming, and the people were not ready for what was coming. Finally, uh, two more sections in chapter 7. I know we're going quickly, but you've got your notes, and you can kind of fill in the, your study as, as you will on your own. Look at chapter 7, verses 7 and 9. Someone like to read that for us? Chapter 7, verses 7 and 9. Brother Mike. God is, God is seeking repentance, not disobedience and rebellion. This is what he wants from his people. To look to God instead of looking to themselves. Look to God instead of looking to the nations around him. And to come before God in a manner of full repentance. Verse 9, admit your sin. Tell the Lord what your situation is. Ask him to do the work in you, not try to do it yourself. And then like most prophecies, they end with a very good picture, highlighting exactly what the Lord is, is seeking, how he wants to deal with his people, how he wants the relationship to be correct. So look at the last three verses of chapter seven. Starting in verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. A beautiful finish to God's prophecy of Micah. Any comments, questions on the prophecy Micah? Yes, sir. Well, by this time in Israel's history, they would have been dispersed already. Israel went up into Assyria and most of them did not come back immediately. Judah, of course, went off to Babylon. Many of them came back, but many of them stayed. But as the Lord rules from Jerusalem in the temple again, he will draw his people back to Israel. And again, these prophecies have different gradations as you go through time. We've seen part of that, in fact, that there's a nation of Israel today. There's a modern Israel where Jews have gone back. But the fulfillment of what we're looking at in chapter 5 is, is the future after the tribulation when sin will be uh, put away and the Lord will reign during the millennial kingdom. Uh, they will certainly return back to their homeland to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And as we also saw, the nations also will follow the Jews back to, to, to Jerusalem and to Israel because they will also realize who God is 
and what it means to worship him. So the remnant coming back is, is what we're seeing. Next lesson, book of Nahum, we'll start the second half of the minor prophets. Some of them that we'll get to are a little bit bigger. I was thinking as I went through my studies, they're a little bit greater than a minor. Maybe they're a medium. Uh, I have, I, I've broken up uh, Zechariah into two weeks of study, so it's 